Red Raiders. Hello, Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators, with the occasional side quest for flashlights and AA batteries. I am one of your hosts, David Steele from SteelEmpire.com. And I am Chaotic Anarchy from ThreadRaiders.com. And I am Fenwald Griswick. And we have a special guest hanging out with us, co-hosting, Mr. Buzz Lightyear, a.k.a. Dan. Say hello, sir. Hello. Uh, I am really excited because we have a um, a special uh, games feature uh, from Grizz. Uh, he actually was our on-scene correspondent. We're pretending he was on-scene. That's right. <laughs> really just watching the video. With me. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so Grizz, amazing, has all the info for us. Well, this is part one, right, Grizz? You're going to give us a little bit? That's correct. I saw one point. of the tickets online, so we can call that, like, on the scene. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> and, of course, our news stories, always keeping you up to date with current events, and the amazing what's in the box. What's in the box? All right, so let's get to know this guy that's hanging out with us, this this person, Dan. Hello, guy. Let's, let's do an Hello. interview. Hello. Hello, other people in the group. Hello. <laughs> That's me. I'm other people. <laughs> well, you're other person. Welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. Thank you. And thank you for having me. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dan is actually a, uh, a very uh, renaissance sort of man. He does many things. Mm-hmm. Oh, a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, runs in the family, I think. Yeah, I've met Dan at a couple different uh, conventions in the Philadelphia area. Yeah, Wizard World, uh, one of them. Yeah. yeah, at PAX East, I think I saw you at. I saw you at uh, uh, Map. What is it? Mag Magfest. 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 Yeah. And he's also going to Gen Con this year for the first time. I am going. Oh, to Oh, amazing! That's right. Are you going to cosplay mm-hmm. this time? Um, no. No, you should cosplay. Can I tell you my favorite cosplay that um, Buzz has done is actually it was at Magfest. And he did a Pokemon Go stop. And then I got to be a Pokeball. And we paired up with Empire Steel and his group. And they were all dressed up like Pokemon and various characters. Oh, so much fun. Oh, yeah. That's right. Me and my son, uh, we did... uh, Team Rocket. Team Rocket. Yes. (laughs) He also does a spot on Wonder Woman. (laughs) Yeah, see, talk about Renaissance. Not to pat myself on the back, but that was a pretty good cosplay. It was. (laughs) Am I supposed to read the questions, Grizz? Is that what you're waiting for me for, dude? I'm sorry. So, among other things, <laughs> you are a laser tag professional. Is that not correct? Uh, for lack of a better term, sure. We'll go with professional. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I am a founding member of the Zone Laser Tag United States Council. Oh. Is that well, a card-carrying institution? Wait a minute. Can you say it again one more time? What were you? The uh, Zone Laser Tag United States Council. Oh, wow. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, we do not, as of yet, have cards. Uh, I apologize. Oh, Grace. that's okay. I'll I'm remember. picturing like a boardroom table, and everyone wears cloaks, <laughs> and then you you have to walk around a virgin with the knives, right? But you don't actually kill her, of course, because it's it's just laser tag. 
But you shoot her with a laser. Laser tag players will typically get virgins, so. I've never played laser tag. Uh, I have seen it on How I Met Your Mother, but I've never actually participated myself. Uh, Do I have to bring my own batteries? And if so, are we talking like double A's or what? Uh, Luckily, you do not have to bring your own batteries. No, you uh, just have to bring yourself and uh, a good, uh, uh, the want of a good time. I'm all about good times. That's true. I can verify that. (laughs) (laughs) Has anybody ever like lopped off somebody's finger like with one of the lasers? Uh, You know, we get that question all the time. (laughs) I figured it'd be in like the safety briefing. I just, I look at them and I say, how would we stay in business? (laughs) It makes no sense to me if we're doing laser surgery. (laughs) I think. Unless you're into that. I mean, by all means. That's true. But I feel like we're in the wrong, you know, the wrong genre there. We should be doing kink fetishes. Grizz, this isn't Star Wars. It, they're not real lasers. So can you uh, describe to me, like, what is laser tag? Like, are there different kinds of laser tag? Or is it just everybody goes into a room and you... How does that work? Yeah, so the uh, the standard game is uh, played in our arena, which is 5,700 square foot multi-level arena. Uh, and you're on three different teams, uh, which we can play up to eight different teams, but uh, we kind of keep it standard so that everybody gets used to playing. 5,700 square feet. How many Dunkin' Donuts is that? It's like three, right? Yeah. Yeah, at least. At, at least, least three. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Continue. Uh, yeah, and then it's a time game. Um, now, there are formats where you could play like an elimination game or something like that, but our standard game is a timed game. So you would get deactivated, come back up about six seconds later, and be on your merry way. Okay. Has anybody ever starved to death during an elimination match? Like, they found him in a corner eventually, and he just was passed out? <laughs> well, luckily, those are timed also. So oh, even okay. if you have all of your lives at the end of the game, you know, it doesn't last that long. Gotcha. And they also have a, a party room there. I've done a couple fundraisers there, and it's been absolutely amazing. So if you ever have an event... Yes, thank you, CA. Uh, the only other thing I was going to bring up is um, uh, what we call lore, or Lord of the Rings... Uh, it's basically one-on-one-on-one laser tag. Uh, sometimes it can be two-on-two-on-two, uh, on two on two, which we call doubles lore. Um, but normally mm-hmm. it's, it's just one-on-one-on-one. So if you, if you go to YouTube, you can actually search uh, Invites L-O-R, and it will come up with uh, a bunch of videos from Philadelphia um, where people are playing lore one-on-one-on-one. So if you want to get really nerdy and really into it. Yes, really nerdy, <laughs> that's our sweet spot. As it should be. <laughs> so... Th- Obviously, you know, there's laser tag here in the Philadelphia area, but is this like something that like is around the country? Like there's all kinds of different places oh, yeah. where I mean, people tag can go? Is, you know, laser tag has been around since, you know, the late 80s playing Photon. I remember playing Photon up at the, uh, you know, the Franklin Mills Mall over here in Philadelphia. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it is now Philadelphia Mills. <laughs> uh, we want to stay current. It's no longer Franklin Mills. Yes, don't get our listeners lost. They'll be they'll be driving all over. They'll be in the creek. It'll be a mess. And I did not know that. I just thought it was still Franklin Mills. Yeah, Franklin was indicted on crime, so now it's. But yes, you can play laser tag <laughs> all over the U.S. Uh, there are UltraZone sites, uh, not by the same owner, but there are UltraZone sites in Sherman Oaks, uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Sherman Oaks, California, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, and several other sites throughout the uh, the country. I know they just opened one in. Uh, Florida. I'm not even going to attempt to say the city name. Grizz, you're from Florida. What does it mean? 
I would never insult them that way. Uh, we're going to move <laughs> past that name. How many how many arenas have you been to? Like, have you I, gone and visited a bunch of places? Um, I would love to all. have been. No, I have not. <laughs> um, I have been up to Boston to play. Uh, I have been out to Fort Wayne, out to California. Um, I have been down in Florida to play. Uh, I am also going to uh, be down in Bailey's, Virginia, hopefully in September for the national tournament. Do they have a so, con? Do they have a con for like laser tag? Uh, they do not, as of right now. Oh, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, they have right. Expos, but other than that, no. That should be part of the Thread Raiders con, I think. Ooh, Ooh. that's a great idea. This is what I'm thinking. This big money maker. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Now, for the arenas that you've been to, uh, like, how do they differ? How are they, you know, like, are they, is there, like, a standard layout for all the rooms, or are they all different? Um, no, they're all, they're all different. Um, anyway, it depends on, on, on when they were built. Uh, some of the older ones, like mine uh, in Philadelphia here in Fort Wayne, were built by a company that specifically did ultra zones, uh, and they were laid out, um, you know, in a certain way that... Um, to a laser tag standard. Right now, they're more just cookie cutter, uh, square box, maybe one, one, maybe two levels, uh, with just like barriers, bar- barrels or barriers in between. Well, I tell you what, I like standardization, and here's why: I want to win at all costs. And so, <laughs> if I can memorize how to win, like in that particular arena, and then apply it all over the United States, that's perfect for me. Are, are there like hints or any sort of clue that you can give me to help me in my world domination of all laser tag everywhere? Of all laser tag everywhere? Yes, absolutely. All laser tag. Yeah, that's everywhere. that is a that is a big question because all laser tag systems are different. Oh really? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know. there are many many different types of laser tag. From uh, the system that we have is Zone, um, which is uh, parent uh, their parent company PNC Micros out of Australia. Um, but there are Laser Runner, uh, Dark Light, Tron. Uh, there's still maybe one or two photons somewhere, I'm sure. Um, and there's several others that I'm not, you know, that are not coming to mind right now. Uh, but cool, I didn't dep- know that there was on, different types. Yeah, yeah, I've I've played several um, throughout my laser tag career. Oh god, that <laughs> sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> um, well, it depends how nerdy you are, really. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, I have done a Tron tournament uh, down in uh, Baltimore uh, about a year or two ago. That is so cool. Uh, and they have something that's called uh, the the Tron Lean, which is basically you can lean at a certain angle that the phaser won't hit you. Huh. So it makes it more and, challenging. Um, or I mean, you're it, saying it's a flaw. I mean, it's a flaw, but it's also a, a trick that the more experienced mm-hmm. players use. Okay. And mm-hmm. they just kind of get into this lean and you just can't hit them. And it's very uh, frustrating if you're yeah. a player. Hate leaners. <laughs> That's like playing yeah. a, a shooter game and having people that bunny hop and like just zigzag back. It's like, oh, I hate <laughs> you, you little 12 year old. I've been playing Call of Duty World War yeah. II this past few uh, past yeah. few weeks, and it, oh, they just hop around. And you got to get on like one of them. People get me from like a. Okay. All right, let's let's pump the brakes on the hoppers and leaners thing. All right, some of us in the room are are uh, seriously considering becoming leaners for a living. Chris, Chris, there's camper. Tell us, it's okay. It's a safe space. No, I I like the idea of leaning. I think that that's a whatever whatever gets you the win. I think is important. Oh boy. Aww. Yeah, but it, it the, the frustrating <laughs> part of it. Like, oh, boy. 
the frustrating part of it is when you try to do it and it doesn't work, but you feel like you're doing it exactly the same way they are. Mm. I'm more of a realist kind of guy. I like it reality based. I'm more of the a only- I need a secret and then sell it in the parking yes. lot kind of guy. <laughs> the only time I really do uh, sniping is in that carrier level. I hate that level so badly when you're on a battleship i can never get across to the other side i'm constantly like sniped down within mm. seconds it's the only time i snipe is on that level so i played black ops 3 for the first time today yeah yeah and if you stay in any one place even if you like rotate like in a circle for mm-hmm. uh, 30 seconds the game starts beeping at you and it's like you haven't moved you're about to be disconnected you haven't moved and that is rage inducing so Dan, yes. you also do improv, and I love I, improv, so I feel like the world should know. So tell us more about that. Sure. Uh, I've been uh, in improv basically since uh, 2006. Um, uh, right now I'm in a group called The Brew uh, with uh, the Brew, uh, with Bill <laughs> McLaughlin, uh, Chris Schofield, Katie Burgess, and... Um, a young lady named Maddie who will actually soon be named Maddie Roman because oh. she's getting married soon. So hey, congratulations, congratulations, Maddie. <laughs> uh, but we've been we've been together for a little over a little over a year and a half. Um, a friend of mine got me into it. That friend is not in this group anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, I've been doing it. I started uh, at Bucks County Community College uh, under Bill McLaughlin, taking his improv courses there. Uh, I've always been a thespian. Uh, I was the uh, defense attorney in uh, the trial of Goldilocks in seventh grade. So that's where I got to start. <laughs> Thespian. Thespian is the best kind of porn. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I'll take your word on that. I've never actually searched out a thespian, but in that in Don't that worry, it autocorrects. So... It'll work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so Dave and I want to improv. What are sure. The, what are the rules? How do we do it? I mean, you always hear the, the basic rule of improv, yes, and... Always yes and, uh, and as you're starting out, that is you know that is a very important rule. You always want to yes and your partner. What um, what does that mean? So yeah. I I say to you, I'm going to Seven Eleven. Yes, and I'm going with you. Oh, right. So you don't want to. It's basically not about not denying your partner. I'm going to Seven. No, you're not. Well, mm. where, the, where the heck's our scene? So it going? keeps it flowing. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, now, once you become more experienced, you can, there are ways to play with that. Um, but the basic rule of improv is yes ending. Cool. All right, Dave, remember that because I'm going to test you later. I always <laughs> say yes. I know. <laughs> Which I'm sure the shame goes here in podcasting for you guys as well. You don't want to be like, hey, I saw this new game. No, shut up. <laughs> oh, you mean like Grizz just shut us down? We're not allowed to talk about bunny hoppers? And <laughs> no. And <laughs> uh, <at> now. <laughs> oh, but see, <laughs> but for the more experienced like Grizz, that's where okay. it works, see? So where can I find members to add to our improv group that we're starting just now? Basically, in Philadelphia, um, there is what's called FIT, which is Philly Improv Theater, or offering classes all the time. Yes, yeah, the advertisements um, for them all the time in the city. Yeah, yeah. So if you just went to their website and you signed up for a class, mm-hmm. uh, you would meet other fellow improvisers, and you guys could create groups out of that. And that's where a lot of groups get started, within those classes or within a class at a community college. But yeah, if you go to FIT, uh, Philly Improv Theater and, and check them out and sign up for classes. There's a, uh, m- every major city pretty much has an improv. Uh, but if you're in Chicago, Chicago is the big area for it. 
uh, Second City, if you're if you ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one of the big ones in Chicago as well as Toronto. Sitting here on our podcast, naturally there are thousands of people listening, but that's not the same as standing on a stage in a theater. So how do you deal with the stage fright? I picture everyone naked. Oh. I don't, actually. All right, I am picturing Dave naked <laughs> and saying Scary. yes and <laughs> over and over you, again. <laughs> you know, st- stage fright has never been an issue with me. Um, I've always been comfortable up on stage, which is very strange because I'm almost the complete opposite in person. Um, but once you get on stage, it's just like a different, something takes over and it's just a different, you know, you're there performing, you're not you. And it must be a good outlet also. Oh, yeah, I've gotten a lot of frustration out. (laughs) Um, It's a creative outlet also, but yes, I used to be in a group called Angry People Building Things. Uh, Basically, we would just, for the first 10 minutes of the show, we would just stomp around stage and talk about what we were pissed off about. So it's like therapy, but you're getting paid. Exactly, exactly. It's like Louis Black, but in bulk. Nice. (laughs) Not a ton of money in it, but... And you were in another improv group called The Voice. But it was a different type of improv. That was more uh, like that show on TV, right? Uh, the Peace, I believe is oh, what you're I'm referring so to. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, so you were That's in okay. a show in another improv group called The Peace. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> I remember it vividly. <laughs> Hi, episode 25. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a different type of improv. It was just like that uh, show. Whose line is it anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. So the piece we did was what is called short form improv. Uh, so there is short form and long form improv. Um, so long form is where you basically you take one suggestion from the audience and you make scenes based off of that uh, one suggestion. Uh, short form is where you play different games that you would see on the TV show. Whose line is it anyway? And each game is separate from the last one you played. So they could be about different topics or yada yada yada. I have control issues, so the very thought of asking an audience to tell me what to do freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the it's it's almost just creates the illusion of it because you're still going off of you're going off of this one, but then you're taking it off in your own direction. Uh, so it can still go anywhere ah. that you want it to go, and your your teammates. Um, I always get questions because you know people ask me, "Oh, where are you going tonight?" I'm like, "Oh, I have a rehearsal for improv," and I get the strangest looks. Because rehearsal? How do you rehearse for improv? Yeah. It does take practice, though. <laughs> it does, because you really have to know the people that you're working with and know where they're coming from uh, to, to understand fully where the scene should go. Mm-hmm. You know what you should do? You should write down a bunch of topics, like on index cards, and then shuffle the mm-hmm. index cards and pull one out and see, you know, like, whatever that topic is, go. Yeah. Grizz does <laughs> that not... often. Keeps the memory fresh. That's right, except mine is all about thespian porn, so I'm just trying to remember the oh titles and the actresses goodness. and all the things. <laughs> I think every single show that I have been in, on the way to the show when me and you know my friends are talking in the car, I always think to myself, I'm bringing this into the show, and then you just completely forget about it because you get in that improv mindset, mm-hmm. sure. and then you know everything else just, just, just rolls off the tongue. Well, Mr. Dan, it is very nice to have you here with us. I got to ask you, how'd you get your uh, Twitter feed name, Buzz Lightyear? Oh, the unique spelling. Well, yeah, that and just why? Because you liked Toy Story. Yeah, I was always a fan of um, Buzz Lightyear growing up. I was a big fan of him in my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, and uh, I've, partly because I think the, my girlfriend at the time gave me a Buzz Lightyear doll. Nice. Uh, so it probably had something to do with it. Um, but, um, yeah, I spell it, uh, B-U-Z 
L-Y-T-Y-E-A-R. Uh, and that was because at the time, uh, your alias for laser tag could only be a certain amount of characters. And so it couldn't fit the entire Buzz Lightyear normally. Right, right. Uh, and so I had to create one that was shorter, but still made sense. Mm-hmm. Well, fasten your seatbelt because uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Can't even take that first one seriously at all. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Well, actually, it is that bad. It is pretty bad. Oh, my God. So, all right. So I'll skip that one. So great. Oh, no. Guess yes. what? What's that? At my job, I am trying to get this promotion, but it's incredibly difficult to do. And I noticed that you have an article coming up about climbing the corporate ladder. Let's try to focus here for a second on the city of St. Paul in Minnesota. Some of you may think, oh, city of St. Paul, it must be just like every other city. That is incorrect. The city of St. Paul is actually... I'm not going to say boring, but a very uneventful kind of place. And so every now and then when they make news, it's a little off the beaten path. Uh, This week, in fact, it was yesterday, uh, a (laughs) raccoon. Oh, I saw this. Climbed to the 22nd floor of the UBS building uh, on Cedar Street in St. Paul, Minnesota. And the entire planet stopped. Uh, They waited through the night, like New Year's Eve. Uh, Sadly, nothing happened. The raccoon went to sleep, and in the morning, it climbed to the roof, where it was wrangled by a a handful of people from the local animal place. Uh, But that before, the raccoon was able to open three Twitter accounts, uh, (laughs) the most prominent of which is the Saint ST, not Saint, not the word, uh, the ST Paul Raccoon. Uh, which has a blow-by-blow, minute-by-minute accounting of everything that happened to the raccoon, the motivations that led it up to uh, it finding its way up the side of this building, all of the uh, pigeon nests that it raided along the way, so forth. Yeah, I saw the video of it on the news. I thought it was incredible. This tiny little raccoon making it all the way up. He took a nap on his way up, you know? (laughs) It's a long climb for a raccoon. I know. (laughs) It was, and after he got up there, they were... They were really concerned that, you know, if they spooked him or something like that, he would fall. So they couldn't actually open up a window to grab him or anything. So they had to wait. There was some argument that maybe a guy with a fishing pole and a bag of Oreo cookies might be able to coax him up the rest of the way. But, you know. And I have this picture of, you know, a bunch of uh, St. Paul. So a bunch of like uh, firemen just carrying around like a little trampoline right below him as he Mm -hmm. moves around. Yep. It's the St. Paul way. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, literally, Donald Trump at one point yesterday averted nuclear brimstone, and yet uh, hashtag NPR raccoon was the uh, the ranking uh, thing on Twitter. Uh-oh, you sound sick. <laughs> I do. I don't, I'm not feeling so good. I wonder why. Could it be the new news article you have about hotel influenza? Sure, why not? So last week, we covered uh, the $10,000 that you could make by moving to Vermont. Well, for those of you who are still hard up for cash, this week, for $3,500, you can be exposed to the flu. Uh, The Water Tower Inn is part of the St. Louis University's Salus Center. Uh, Salus is the Latin word for safety or wellness. It's their, uh, I guess, medical college, if you want to call it that. 
Uh, they have asked for volunteers who would be willing to stay for at least 10 days. And now that's important because they don't want the flu to spread outside. So you have to stay long enough that you are no longer a, that you're asymptomatic. I don't think I would do that. Yeah, no, that would not be for me. <laughs> I like to stay healthy. Healthy is good. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of mandatory, really. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourselves, is this legal? Uh, sure. Uh, not so much for the UN, but here in the US, yeah, we're okay with that. We're all about spreading wealth. So, you know. And this is the study is actually in an attempt to look back at the flu pandemic of 1918. It's a tough beat, but somebody's got to do it. Which wiped out a third of the population in Europe and a quarter of the population across the whole of the globe. So, you know, it, it, is, it does have uh, some meaning. They're not just being cruel. Um, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how people catch the flu, what do the symptoms look like, what are the stages, so on and so forth. And we know a little bit about that, but this is, it's the instruments that they're using and things like that that give them extra insights into how the flu works. So that brings us to our next article, which Dan is going to be super sad about. Uh -oh. Because Dan likes in and out <laughs> oh shut don't we all your dirty mouth <laughs> do um, not speak ill of in and out burger oh you're talking about burger okay. i'm sorry but we have to talk about their buns i want my double double animal style <laughs> i bet you do <laughs> so grizz tell us talk about our bad buns 37 in and out burgers in the state of texas were closed down due to substandard buns uh, the company released a statement saying that we recently discovered that our buns in Texas do not meet the quality standards that we demand. Uh, that was from Vice President Bob Lang Jr. Uh, they insist this has nothing to do with food poisoning. It comes down to the bun itself. Either the crack was in the wrong place or they were too <laughs> thin, which caused customers to drop it like it's hot. Or uh, uh, maybe they weren't cooked no, completely. No cushion for the pushing. <laughs> so they caused oh, excessive shame. jiggling. Uh, you know. Oh, it happens. Yeah, there are a lot oh, of wow. speculation flying <laughs> yeah. around the internet. It's very uh, in-depth bun processing, really. <laughs> That's what she said. Yep, I did. So great. Here we go. I googled suction. Okay. And I found out that these behaviors are the product of natural selection. Is that true? You're talking about uh, in 2009, uh, scientists discovered a an underground, I'm sorry, an underwater city of octopodes. I was going to say underground. Yes, that would be incredible. <laughs> That's a D&D campaign if I ever heard one. And in 2009, most of you probably don't remember this, but I sounded the warning saying that we were an imminent threat of attack from armies of octopodes. And uh, nobody believed me. At the time, it was observed <laughs> that they had created fight clubs amongst themselves, uh, but nobody wanted to talk about that. And uh, my call to arms went unheeded. Well, now, at the end of last year, in December of 2017, scientists discovered a city of octopodes, which they have called Oxalantis. I was going to make that joke, too. Damn it. Why didn't you let him make the joke? <laughs> I thought He's it was stupid. Guest. That's the only reason I did. Well, edit it in. Go ahead, brilliant. Dan. You didn't even know. Octolantis? Ooh. Exactly. <gasps> <gasps> I'm 
amazing. Are you working? Are you working with You're the right. octopus Tritectris? Because they are after us, and if you are one of the fifth column, I'm not having it. I will end this podcast. No, We're, no. Fine. <laughs> no Oxalantis is in Jervis Bay, which is in Australia. Uh, for those of you who don't really know Australia too well, it's uh, just a little bit south of Sydney. Uh, the scientists in question were from the uh, University of uh, Alaska Pacific. Basically, what they found was a massive, I mean, you know, uh, uncountable numbers of octopi, octopodes living together uh, in one location under in this bay. And so the most I can tell you is, uh, wake up, sheeple. Uh, the octopodes are coming. <laughs> we are controlling transmission. So this week we have a special segment. We're going to be talking about RPG character background. Yay! I'm excited. Yes, apparently so is our Twitter feed. There's been a bunch of people who've been talking about this. Is that right? Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah, what that's how we actually got the request from Twitter, actually. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Buzz also actually mentioned this also, which is why he's here today. I always mention background stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite often in our conversations that we talk about. Oh, that is very true. Yeah. I remember when I was here. So what exactly were the people on Twitter asking for? No, they just, uh, it's about building their characters. So they just want to know some backgrounds to the characters we've created, like mm-hmm. one of our favorites. Cool. Um, yeah, they thought that would be kind of cool because they come see our shows or they've heard of us. and um, Or maybe they just want to create a character themselves. So they're curious to know what we've come up with. Dan, what kind of characters do you like to play with in your D&D <laughs> Tell us about one of your character backgrounds. <laughs> that is an excellent question. You're welcome. Um, I've never been a huge fan of character backgrounds myself. <gasps> only because... Why I'm sorry. Only because I don't feel like I'm good at writing them. Mm. Um, so the one, the one that I, I wrote for my very first character, his name was Meryl... I'll go over that, but he's very dark. I was kind of in a dark place when I wrote this, so I apologize in advance. No, it's okay. <laughs> Mine's pretty dark. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so I, now my mind is, I was raking my mind to try to figure out what kind of creature he was, but I, I don't remember. Um, hold on. I'm sorry. My cat is chewing on my headphone cord. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs> he was. That's he, Shakespeare. <laughs> yes. Shakespeare says hello, everyone. Uh, so Meryl. Uh, basically, uh, my background story starts out that he was a prince uh, born into royalty, um, and he had the finest teachers, um, and then one day on his 18th birthday, he decided to uh, walk to the end of the earth, or the end of the world for that matter, uh, and when he gets there, he realizes there's nothing but a wall, um, and uh, it turns out that Merrill is actually in a prison of his own mind. Uh, he is a slave uh, that is kept for food. Uh, by a race of uh, creatures that I also escapes me. Um, but basically, they, they eat around the vital organs, and then as you're just a few scraps on the table, they wake you up, take you out of your dream state, and finish eating you and kill you off. Oh, jeez. Uh, Ew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like I said, it was a bit dark. that <laughs> um, I was just not expecting how dark that would be. Um, I typically try to pick big, dumb characters, um, that way I don't have to do a ton of thinking during the game. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I do also prefer DMing. What system was that character for? Like you said it was a couple, like a decade or so ago, right? Yeah, it was 4E. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I started playing on 4E. Well, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. 
Yeah, but 4E's magic system was horrendous, so I can totally understand where you would want to avoid, uh, you know, being a mage. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm actually playing a tiefling warlock named Kayla, um, which is the first time for me. I've never been a, I've never really been a smart warlocky character. I've had the pleasure of playing in Dan's games, and I love them. His characters are so unique, and they're always humorous. Um, one of the characters I remember that he played <laughs> was actually insane, and he saw his family everywhere, and they had perished like earlier mm. in the game. It was such a shame, and I just remember him like <laughs> sitting in this truck in like his pajamas, like <laughs> <laughs> protecting his family, and I was just like, "No, this is not good at all." And like we were trying to escape because we were being attacked, and like. <laughs> I think I think the best part was when you guys were being attacked and and I sat down and you guys were like, what are you doing? I was like, it's bedtime. I have to read a bedtime story. In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> we were like, no. <laughs> Get in the, in of the a car. car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And then you have another character. Oh, no, well, is Kayla the monkey one or no? Uh, no, that was um, Kay- Kayla is the D&D character. Um, I, I don't know that I gave the monkey wrangler a name. <laughs> Uh, that was from a, a game I was playtesting with a friend. Always known as the um, Monkey Wrangler. Yeah I, yeah, I don't remember giving him a name. So we only played that one time. Um, but yeah, he was a monkey trainer. Um, and that's how he survived the end of the world by learning. Because uh, I think it was a zombie apocalypse was, the, uh, was, was what happened. And um, he learned from the monkeys to climb in the trees because obviously zombies can't climb trees. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's how he survived the apocalypse. <laughs> I was not able to bring any of my monkeys with me to the playtest, though. No, which was sad. Yeah. But I would have loved to seen you swing around stuffed monkeys filled with rocks. Then. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and I, uh, yeah. I forgot about that. I made the uh, stuffed monkey and put rocks in him as a weapon. <laughs> it was a good times. Yeah, it was perfect. Good times. Didn't last very long because the, the 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 DM uh, broke it. Oh. I only got one hit out of it. We made so. it all the way through a discussion on improv, and you didn't once bring up Rocky Monkeys. What's that all about? Like I said, you, once you get into the improv flow, you don't think about the things you've thought about before mm. before you started, you know? And then people remind you, and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. So, Dave, tell us about your character background. Hello! I am Nunu, the gnome bard. A Nunu? Nunu. Yeah, new, new. I always try to do the voice on my time off, but I, I can never do it. Hello! Yeah. <laughs> Is that N-U-N-U? G-N-U, G-N-U. New, new. Oh, new, new. Interesting. New, new. new. That's what I said. <laughs> you stinker. <laughs> yeah, so a uh, new, new, uh, for all you fans of A Quest for Magic and Steel, my Yay. family D&D podcast. We started playing D&D just before we did the podcast, maybe a year before that. It was kind of new to me, so I knew about it, but I never actually played. So we did a, like a couple one shots at home, and I made some various characters, but not a big backstory. So knowing we were doing the podcast that was going to be long and ongoing, we actually did character backgrounds. So that's my. I agree with Dan. Kind of like I played some one shots, online stuff. I really don't like making uh, background uh, shows. I'll throw a character together. I really like making characters. So. Uh, that, mm. that brings me to, okay, I'm brand new to making characters. Actually, the other ones I did, I didn't even make those. My daughter made them for me. So this one time doing the podcast, we use the 5th edition character sheet. It's an app 
for iPhone and Android phones. It's amazing. So if you need something, you want something quick, and you have your mobile phone, 5th edition character sheet. It's awesome. Uh, so you just basically, you, it's just like rolling for characters. You can set it to type in your own numbers. You can let it do it random. You can, there's a couple different ways. You can do a bunch. Uh, it's like two ninety nine or something it was, or $3. You can try it for free. You can make a character up to a certain level, but then you have to pay to, to get all the features if you want it all. But I have like, I don't know, I have like 10 characters on here. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's awesome. So as you're playing, you just you hold down like your health bar, and you can say, okay, I'm healing or getting damage. And it asks you which one do you want. You just punch it in, apply, boom, it changes it. When you upgrade your character, it has all of it in there, bang, bang, bang. It upgraded with the new updates, I guess, this uh, last year or the past year with the new characters they added, um, like the Genasi and stuff like that. So the, it added those as well uh, over the basic ones. And it's just awesome. It's, it's, it's so easy. It's so cool as I play... Uh, in the morning, we get together and do our podcast. It's great to have that. So that's how I make my pot, my uh, character. As far as my character and what he is, so he's a gnome. He's a gnome bard. He's no no the gnome. He's new 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 the gnome bard. Or new new the gnome. And his real name is Nam Foodle New New. Uh, so he just asks his friends to call him New New. Now you're just fucking with uh, me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So now, are we actually talking about what the background is, or just how we do it? Sure. No, just what it is. Okay. Yeah. So he's. He's a gnome bard, and he's lived with his family and his tribe uh, all his life until uh, this point where he goes out on an uh, adventure, his first time adventure, when we started playing. Uh, but at 30 years old, he went to uh, school, and he was going to get married to Brela, his beloved. But uh, he was a trick was played on him by Garl Glittergold, this evil trickster gnome and he basically made it made him look bad for in front of Brela so he had Brela called it off and ran away and so he was heartbroken uh, so he decided to go back to school he went to solitude to the guild bard college anybody get that yeah so he's three foot tall did I say that oh he had a birth pet uh, gnomes have birth pets that usually their parents give to them so they can grow up with this pet that's real close to them and he had a monkey Kind of looked like a howler monkey. His name was Fajikal. And when Nunu was 20, uh, Fajikal was killed in a horrible accident. And he's never been the same since. Oh. Yes. So that's a little bit about Nunu. I have a question. Are, is owner ownership of a monkey like a thing? Like, were we supposed to have characters that all own monkeys? Because I feel like this is a theme that has come up. It's a recurring yeah. thing I might miss out on. Add monkey to Add monkey. <laughs> or you can choke the monkey, either one. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a good thing, CA. Don't worry about it. No, I believe. <laughs> Us boys know what that means. And thespians. <laughs> So, Grizz, what's your character background? Wait, I'm adding something. <laughs> to your character background? It's a late, isn't it? Elias the monkey tamer. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Okay. <laughs> so, my character I made for a friend of mine. However, she did not need it. Um, the game that she was going to be in uh, canceled out. So, uh, I never had the chance to see the light of day, which was a shame because I put a lot of time into it. Um, so, here it goes. This is a great opportunity. I'm very excited. So, the name of this character is Elias Kefalver. Um, Elias has a disease called congenital analgesia, which means that he cannot feel pain, no matter what. Aww. His hometown was in Vitagni, Sweden. 
this is a town in northern Sweden. So this is the kind of place that lacks light for three weeks for three weeks out of the year, um, thus making him very good with dark vision. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, the father, his father, uh, brought the boys to America after his mother died, giving birth to his brother. Uh, the father was a drunkard, used to pierce Elias uh, with sewing needles for the neighbors in order to raise money to go out drinking. Uh, eventually, he abandoned the boys when Elias was 10. Uh, Elias then joined Clyde Marlowe's Traveling Carnival uh, under the stage name The Knife Boy. And for a living, he was impaled with daggers, rapiers, and crossbow bolts, um, all of which, of course, he cannot feel but has left him with some scarring. His class is a bard. Uh, his background is an orphan. Uh, his alignment is lawful neutral. Uh, for the 16, I gave that to uh, Constitution because I figured after you know a lifetime of being stabbed with things, he was pretty you know tempered to you know damage from various sources. Um, for the 14, I gave that to Charisma because given that he has to perform basically on stage uh, in a circus, he probably is used to uh, that sort of thing. Uh, 12, I gave to Strength from you know setting up tents and things like that in a circus. You have to pitch in wherever you are, so uh, I'm sure that you know made him stronger. Um, the 10, I gave to uh, Intelligence due to lack of parenting. I'm sure that also meant lack of schooling. Uh, the eight I gave to uh, wisdom for the same reason, and the six I gave to dexterity uh, due to massive damage to his hands from having taken crossbow bolts and things like that over the years. His hands don't work very well. Fluency in Swedish and English. Um, he's also an expert with knives, daggers, and throwing stars. Um, advantage against any sort of charm or other charisma uh, attacks. Now that's some show prep right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, CA. Uh, no, I don't, I don't. I don't think I should go now. Uh, oh, <laughs> Did, uh, no! I was. I was just going to say, didn't you? Uh, didn't you pierce someone at uh, Dark Side of the Con? Oh my goodness! I had so much fun at Dark Side of the Con. They're amazing by Vampire Freaks, which you can follow them on Twitter. Um, they actually have a uh, what is it? A carnival sideshow? Yeah, carnival sideshow. Yeah. What's his name? Elias. Um, this guy, I don't know what his name was. I probably should have got it. But one of the um, wonderful things about the show is that afterwards, for tips, they let you staple money to their bodies. And of course, this was something I had to try. <laughs> after after a little coaxing. It took a, well, a lot of coaxing, actually. Buzz was a huge support system in this matter. Uh, and the guy actually had to hold my hand <laughs> so that I could actually staple him because I didn't want to hurt him. It no, was I'm always there awesome. for you. How many shots of coaxing did you need? <laughs> Not that many. He was pretty hot, just saying. All right. but, oh. and, and depending upon how much you want to donate, you could, you know, it determines where you're going to staple him. This is getting hot! So that was very exciting also. Oh. So. <laughs> and, uh, and where did you staple him? I, well, well, the first time? That would be on the chest. Wait, first time? I must have time. missed the second and third <laughs> time. multiple times. Yes, and? <laughs> and, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, viewer discretion is advised for, for the second one, but... Um, <laughs> yes, it was it was really really cool, and, and he also did a, a whip show later too. But you know, wh I'm sorry, he whipped what? Uh, what? Huh? What? Oh, wait, what show are we on? Is that wrong episode? <laughs> wrong uh, you're now talking <laughs> about your character. <laughs> oh, you were done yours. I'm sorry. Um, 
So I are we going into like the like the personality traits and all that stuff? Like five E introduced the whole background thing, um, mm-hmm. where you know, like you you have the personality trait, the ideals, the bonds, and the flaws. Yeah, you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's overly quiet. That's his personality trait. His ideals are um, he will defend anyone uh, who is being bullied because you figure you know somebody who's been on stage at a at a you know using air quotes here freak show would probably have heard a lot of vitriol and horrible things so he probably that's like his trigger is if somebody's being bullied um his bonds are uh while traveling with the circus he stopped by the town of cincinnati and fell in love with a local woman now he's trying to prove himself uh to her by going out on a quest and uh his flaws are that he um believes that all of humanity is dark because the only people who he ever saw uh, mock him on a regular basis and uh, his magic is um, he can conjure barrage, uh, which, you know, is from years of working with daggers. Um, he knows vicious mockery for obvious reasons. Oh, that's a good one. Dissonant whispers for similar reasons. Um, dancing lights, which he learned from Madame Prindle, the medium. And card tricks and sleight of hand uh, are his uh, expertise, which he learned from uh, Jezebel, the tarot card reader. Also, he owns a pet monkey. Oh, who would have thought? Yes. And what's the monkey's name? Spankums. No, it's not. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that is a great monkey. It's name. actually it's Miskusk, but it's Spankums spelled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive. See, that's so, improv. It's a strange monkey theme going on, though. And you see what you did there? You actually said no, but I improved anyway. No, oh, yes, that's advanced yes, improv. And. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> now I demand to hear about your character. That's improv with Griswick. So my character background, I decided out of all, I mean, I love all of them. And I do like to make character backgrounds when it's going to be more than a one shot. Uh, so the one I chose was Trinity from Opened Legend Campaign. I actually used her for the play test for the game and I absolutely love her. Is she a gnome? She's a Because we've had quite enough of that, thank you. <laughs> She's a mage with a monkey. No. <laughs> so she's a powerful mage who is from Schlechtenberg. And this is from the uh, Mars Dawn campaign, which if you haven't played it, you should definitely play this game. It is incredible. Uh, she has some pretty cool stuff. She can cause hallucinations um, to create you to see things that are not really there. And she, as she gets powerful, um, she can also create like your fear in your mind. Um, which can be quite terrifying. Uh, then she also has this ability to cast illusions. So not only can she mess with just one person's head, she can actually create something similar to the Matrix, where you could be standing in a completely different room or a completely different area. Um, she can change all of your um, your senses. She can have you smell things, see things that aren't there. Um which was a lot of fun to portray. Um, she's a socially awkward character, which was very difficult for those who were playing with me um, because we were role-playing it. And every time her character came up, I would not blink the entire time. <laughs> and that kind of made, I think, some of the player characters that I was with quite uneasy. Very disconcerting, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, she has no concept of personal space so she was always constantly in the camera staring at you which was kind of like that creepy doll vibe that you get in like horror films <laughs> and what the hardest part was for me was that I couldn't show any expression 
on my mm. face because Trinity is actually a synth. Um, so her backstory was that she was created in Schlechtenberg um, as a powerful synth um, to do terrible things, but there was a malfunction and they were going to dispose of her. Um, and in the process, she escaped, um, but her memory was swiped. So she couldn't remember anything about her past or what happened. And um, somebody found her and kind of took her under their wing. And here, Trinity, even though she's a synth, Trinity does not know that. Um, one of the things we wanted for Open Legend was to have this huge reveal that she was just going to be the socially awkward character. And then eventually it would come out that she was actually a synth and the whole party would be like, oh, my goodness, like not expecting it at all. So it was very challenging to portray a, a socially awkward person when you're actually a robot. And uh, so sometimes she would throw facts out there um, and talk in like a very monotone voice. Um, and so we were trying to think of a way to hide that because one of her traits is honesty. So she's not allowed to lie at any point in time, even to save her own friends that she's with. And she doesn't have any emotions to save her friends either. Like if somebody's falling off a cliff, she doesn't have that, oh my God, let me go save them, you know, kind of feeling to that. She doesn't have it. So we wanted to know how we could hide that. So we swiped her memory so that she couldn't remember that she was not human. So she believes that she's perfectly human. So if anybody questions her, it would hide that. Um, definitely an amazing character for a great game. Um, so I, I would choose her. I think she was pretty cool. Yeah, that is a cool character, cool. especially since you can like kind of delve into the world of you know social awkwardness um, in mm -hmm. a way that's approachable. And it was very challenging for the DM, I'm sure, because anything I said had to be honest. So if I said something, he had to kind of go with it because it was supposed to be like mm -hmm. like an actual fact in the you know the story. And then I had to like really read up on Amara's Dawn to really understand the world because the facts I had to say had to match up with that as well. Like you can't change the campaign. So so I'm guessing lawful good. Uh, well, actually, you don't have to have an alignment in this. Oh, really? Particular campaign? Yeah. My kind of campaign. Um, yeah, Open Legend, he wanted to leave it so that you can be as creative as you want to be with your characters and really wanted you to start off with like the basics and be able to develop it in a way that you wanted to. So you actually don't have an alignment. It's promo time. Hey, CA. Yes, Cruz? Did you know that June is Women in Tabletop Gaming Month? Really? Is this like National Great Outdoors Month or National Papaya Month? Nope, this is a real thing. Oh, tell me more. Women in Tabletop Gaming was a hashtag started by Samantha Darcy, a.k.a. 65th Victor, and a bunch of her friends on Twitter. Sound familiar? Yes, I follow them on Twitter. Well, they've gotten together with a bunch of partnering companies. Just listen to this list. The author, April Presnell. The Broadswords, an all-female Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Broken Dice, Chaosium, The Cyphercast, Dice for Brains, Die by the Dice, Dungeons & Dragons podcast, weird name, but I love the logo, Dungeons & Dragons and & Daughters, Fate and the Fable Maidens, Free NPC, Gamercraft Studio, Hexes & Bows, Miskatonic University, whose motto, Timor Incomprehensibilis, means fear that which you do not know. Quest Friends, Reforge Podcast, Roll for Initiative, Suzy QQ on Twitch. You laugh, but she's got over a thousand Twitter followers. 
The Beholder's Eye Podcast, The Crafting Muse, The Rook and the Raven, The RPG Lab, Tabletop Loot, Web DM, White Wolf Entertainment. Wait, did you just say Tabletop Loot? I did. You mean our Tabletop Loot? Exactly. And listeners, if you go to www.womenintabletopgaming.com, you can take a look at all the sponsors for this month's events. In addition, if you go to tabletoploot.com right now, you can get 15% off any order by simply clicking the Women in Tabletop Gaming button conveniently placed right in your cart. No code to remember, just click the button. Tabletop Loot, loot for every table. And now, back to our show. So we have a great segment coming up. It's the game segment, a very special broadcast. So this weekend was E3. Uh, it started on Saturday, even though it was supposed to start on Tuesday, and it ended on Tuesday, even though it was supposed to continue the Thursday, and there was so much information. We split it apart into two different weeks. This is going to be the first week where we're going to cover Bethesda and Square Enix. Ready, go. So at the Bethesda, we had a band. That was the first thing that they started with. And it was the weirdest band that you've ever heard of. Yeah. And he put his microphone in his, you know. Yes. And it was weird. In it, I'm sorry, his what? His, you know, his, his jocular area. area. Oh. Yes. It was very gotcha. extreme. So go Whenever he wanted to play the piano, he stuffed the microphone into his own pants. <laughs> Multiple times. Yes. So, so it's like girls do with boob. <laughs> yeah. It was just like that. Okay. And seeing this, naturally yes. you would think, well, Bethesda must be filing for bankruptcy, and this is how they're going out. But no, it turns out that they had a large <laughs> number of uh, games that they announced, and so we're going to go through them very quickly. Uh, number one, they w- uh, Doom Eternal. Um, after that, they went into uh, Elder Scrolls, where they talked about three different Elder Scrolls titles. One of them is Elder Scrolls Blades, which is an on-rail um, first-person combat game where you have like a sword or you know a mage staff or whatever and but everything is on rail so you basically are moving forward and there's a little bit of left and right and there probably will be some choices in order to give it some you know like variation but for the most part you are basically engaging with the game straightforward blades is going to be a free game which you can play on your phone which i thought was very interesting um you know and also they're also going to have it on the xbox and playstation and some other places too um, the graphics for this game were really pretty amazing, and I don't know how many phones would actually be able to have that kind of graphical fidelity, but uh, you know what they were showing was amazing. After that was um, Elder Scrolls Legends, which is a card game. Uh, they have a new version of that coming out. I don't know. Did anybody play Elder Scrolls Legends? No, I have not. No. Not a card game person. Yeah, very odd uh, sort of card game. Um, and then Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls Six, which was the big announcement. Um, but all that they gave us was uh, the title over top of some beautiful graphics. It's the usual Elder Scrolls forest with all kinds of you know beautiful colored tree leaves and that sort of thing. I've been waiting so long, so long for that. For game. Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> uh, I play. I played Skyrim was the first uh, Elder Scrolls game I played, and I. I feel like every year I've been like, when are they going to announce six? When are they going to announce six? <laughs> and finally, I stumbled across it on Twitter, and I almost I almost cried. Oh. <laughs> there was a game called Prey. Uh, there was a game called Quake Champions, which is Quake, but, and then some. Uh, and actually, their big announcement there was simply that for the weekend it was free, and if you got in for free, then you could keep the game in perpetuity, so... Like me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Did you actually get a chance to play it yet, or did you just download it because it was free? 
That, no, I just, I grasped it. I haven't had a chance to play it. That's fine. Moving on. Rage 2 is a very interesting game where you have to... Not really. Okay, that I lied. <laughs> it's... Take it out. <laughs> Basically, you have to obliterate other human beings in the most freakish way possible with all kinds of, uh, you know, electric devices and things like that. Everybody. Yeah, you have to have mohawks. Yeah, everybody has mohawks, and uh, it's a very um, 1980s festival sort of situation. There's some retro uh, cachet there. Um, they also announced Starfield, which was another IP um, that is just a logo over top of a field of stars. Um, so apparently that's going to be one of their new things. It's their first new, like brand new IP um, since, uh, I don't know, it's been like 20 years. Um, everything has been revolving around Quake and Elder Scrolls and so on. And then uh, the last thing that they brought up was Wolfenstein. There's a new one coming out. Um, it, this one's called Wolfenstein Youngbloods. And it's about uh, the main character has, I don't know if he's died or just is not in it, but uh, it's about his <laughs> daughter's who are oh snipers, of all things, which I thought was very weird because my recollection of Wolfenstein games is uh, not sniping. It's you know more, yeah. more Doom-like. Fast-paced shooting. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Fallout 76, which we talked about in depth. A lot of information came out. Now, last week, we talked a lot about Fallout 76. I'm not going to rehash everything that was in the trailer. There was a bunch more trailers. I'm going to assume that you have seen those. Uh, if you it haven't... It was amazing. It was amazing. If you haven't seen them, you should probably hit pause and watch the trailers first. November the 14th is the launch date for Fallout 76. So that's right after uh, um, Black Ops comes out. So that's yep, And if you pre-order it, you can get access to the beta. That's right. Mm-hmm. Fallout... 76 has a map that is four times the size of Fallout 4. I wasn't really able to picture that in my mind because Fallout 4's map is the city of Boston plus uh, the surrounding suburbs, so that's a good chunk of Massachusetts. I actually found the still, a still of the map that was shown in the game. I also found another still of what the map looks like in the Pip-Boy. I compared the two, and it turns out that it is almost the entire state of West Virginia is in the game. Apparently, wow. Washington, D.C. took a massive blast of, uh, of nuclear holocaust, so it just is a hollow crater. So what last week I was talking about with Harper's Ferry, that appears to be the end of the map because after that is just empty, bombed out, nothing. Um, so you actually start on the other side of West Virginia, near Ohio, and work your way east basically is apparently how this game is going to be played. Um, very, There was a bunch of stuff. That in one of the videos, uh, there was a guy with a ramrod gun. He literally walked up, shot a guy, and then as the guy was dying, he reloaded the gun with a ramrod and then shot him again. Uh, the zombies, as you kill them, and there are zombies, by the way. We talked about that last week. Uh, as you kill the zombies, some of them will drop uh, special key cards that allow you into nuclear silos, and then you have the opportunity to nuke an area of the map. Apparently, this nuclear device is a small of a smaller nature, so it will only take out like a, 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 a one city or one encampment, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, they announced that the game would be entirely online, but then they also said that you can play it solo. So for those of you worried that you'll be forced to play with others, uh, that will not be the case. 
two locations I was able to identify in the videos. One of them was Charleston. Uh, in the video, you will see what appears to be like the White House. That actually is not the White House. That is the government. That's the Capitol building in Charleston, West Virginia, which is the capital of West Virginia. And then uh, the other thing is that um, at one point, four people are entering into a, what, like where you would find an arcade or something like that. Uh, the name of that park is called Camden Park, which is actually a real place in Huntington, West Virginia. All right, it leads us to our fun segment. What's in the box? Intrigued by your new treasure map, you find yourself pacing the hallways of the tavern studying its gently relieved tuchus. You procure a magnifying glass from the house detective. Hours go by, and yet you can't put it down. You spot what you suppose is a fence post and intuit that possibly there's a right-hand turn just after you pass a nearby goat, but little else can be discerned without an expert's eye. Frustrated, you finally look up, only to find that you're no longer in your hotel. It's mid-afternoon. You wasted the whole night. You're standing on a strange street dressed only in your bathrobe in the middle of town. Looking behind you, you can see your lodging some six blocks away. That's one fascinating piece of art. Then, as more reality washes over you, you become acutely aware of a large crowd that has gathered nearby. It seems like the entire town is huddled around a nearby amusement center. You push your way through the crowd to investigate. Three minutes and four handsy dock workers later, you find yourself face to face with all the fuss. The amusement center's headline feature is a heavily carpeted miniature golf course, absolutely swarming with people. At the center of the course is the hut where you pay to play, and on top of that hut is a very large box. The box is the size of a small sofa. It is wrapped in a big green bow. On the side of the box is painted the logo for Gory's Games and Gizmos. The impresario welcomes you to his boat. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right up and win the prize. It matters not your final score, only that you tell no lies. Complete the course at your leisure. Feed the clown, but not with fries. Just one putt can be the winner, cause after that, there's no more tries. You are determined to win. By some miracle, you have the $7 entry fee in your pocket. And now is time for some putt-putt. Yay, I love putt-putt. For 10 minutes, you blow through the course like a man-slash-woman possessed. You lap the other players and score a respectable 22 over par. And then, the grand finale. The 19th hole is a crudely fashioned wooden ramp, at the end of which is a poorly painted circus performer. The clown is illustrated in such a way that its mouth, eyes, nose, and presumably hoo-ha correspond with holes of an appropriate size cut into the board. There are two oversized arrows directing your attention to the mouth of the clown. The entire rig is adorned in totality with multiple advertisements for Gory's Games and Gizmos and its sheer length leads you to assume that clearly the Honorable Mr. Gorey isn't too keen on actually giving away what's in the box. You study every aspect of the structure. You study the brushstrokes of the clown. You study the grain of the board. You study the other players as they make their attempts. You study their putters. You study their balls. 
Oh, no. You consume <laughs> massive amounts of information that slowly congeal into a perfect understanding of this slowly unraveling enigma. The crowd has taken notice of the hyperactive, robe-clad homeless person studying the clown and has pushed in around you. They're cheering you on, confident it will be you. All eyes, desperate to see the contents of the Grand Dame of Dead Willow, now rest in your uncanny ability to unmask the hidden. After almost an hour, it's time to make your putt. The crowd stands in rapt silence as you place your ball onto the carpet. The only sound, a nervous gulp from the proprietor as he watches nervously from his wooden fort beneath the box. You give him a wink. But just then a three-year-old walks up, plants her ball next to yours, and boots it up the plank and into the clown's mouth. The crowd goes completely manic and hoists the girl into the air, even as you scream hate-filled epithets at her. It takes all you have to watch the unveiling. My question for you is this. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> See, hey, what's in your box? I don't have a box. You have to have a box. You don't have a box? No. No, I don't have a box. What's in your hut? Dan has a box. What's in my hut? Dan, Dan, <laughs> Dan does have a box. Yeah. All right, Dan. Give it a shot. Sure. Uh, so it is a barrel with, um, what do they call those, like a little spigot on the front of it and a, uh, a flask next to it. The barrel has a big smiley face on it. Oh. You just gave booze to a three-year-old? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I, I didn't write the story. I mean, lot, I've seen a lot of Bugs Bunny. I feel like that's going to be explosive. Scale of one to ten, how smiley is the smiley face? <laughs> um, it's just a normal smiley face. So seven and a half. So the smiley face isn't giving me any sort of uh, pause for concern to make me think like maybe it's a bomb. No. Do you pick up the flask? Oh, what's on the flask? What's it say? It's just a normal tavern flask. Is it made of leather? Uh, no, just a wooden flask. Is it gilded in any way? Nope. Is it empty? It is empty. Yeah, I'll pick up an empty glass. Okay, so as you pick up <laughs> the empty glass, you hear what you think is a faint laugh. It's the three-year-old, isn't it? That little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you pour anything into the flask from the... Does the glass look thirsty? I, I want to. I want to. I want to pour something in his flask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fill her up, baby. <laughs> All right, so you fill it up. Do you drink it? He has to drink it because last time he disappeared. Now it's funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he disappeared last time. I, I'm under contractual obligation to drink from this flask now. So, yeah, down it goes. <laughs> okay, so as you, as, you, uh, as you drink it, in front of you, uh, you see a jester appear, uh, a man dressed in a jester uniform or outfit. Uh, and you hear the laughter now, loud and clear. <laughs> and the jester is winking at you, but he's alternating eyes as he winks. Be careful, I haven't seen action in quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and at that, he laughs and disappears, and you are now blinded. Oh! He took your eyes, that's so creepy. In one eye, and it switches eyes every one minute. Ooh. That's fun. And that's all I got. Now we're all thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Think I about the implications. <laughs> Don't. You, you can't see in three dimensions anymore. <laughs> and in the middle of a battle, you could literally like switch out to the other eye and it could change your perspective. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Horrible for archers. I like Dan's box. Setting the bar really high. 
I like this. <laughs> CA, you're out. Dan, you're in on the show. We we record on Wednesdays. <laughs> How you doing, Dave? You got anything? Yes, I do. All right, Dave, what's in your box? So you open the box, and you hear some noises. Like grinding gears. And then out rolls a mech golem. He stands up Ooh. seven foot tall as he stretches and opens up. Whoa. He scans you. <laughs> and he says, thank you for your assistance. Oh, damn. Did he steal your identity? <laughs> this is going to be the most popular preschooler in all of Dead Willow. <laughs> Gollum, what's it made out of? Uh, metal. Looks like kind of like a robot. Like, uh, it's kind of steampunk. Ooh. Can he hold me? He sure can. He's very strong. He up. He's a bit cold. He could cradle. Yeah, it would be cold, yeah. He could cradle you. <laughs> it's the best goal ever. Does he have like a hatch that opens up? Does he have one built into him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Does he have any weapons or anything like that? He does not at this time because he was put into this box against his will. Gotcha. Is he made out of like a precious metal or is it just you? Uh, No, iron. yeah, iron and maybe bronze. Does he listen to all our commands? Well, if you talk to him and you ask him what's up with him, he will tell you, you have freed me, so I owe allegiance to you for one year. I will assist you on your journey. One whole year. Yeah, he's a Wookiee. Woo! Yeah. We're going we're gonna to take him from for all the what's in the boxes from now on. He's our, he's our friend. <laughs> I pay the little girl the other $7 out of my pocket, and that gun was mine. We should we should carry all of these items we find into the the other episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I make the metallic go- it- golem open the door, open the box. We had a two-headed, three-headed dog for a while. Yeah. And then if we ever make a mistake opening a box, we can use my goggles to move them back. It'll That's be right. Great. All right. Well, Dan, on your rookie attempt, I declare you the winner. Woohoo! Oh. Ding, ding. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yay! I leave a conqueror. <laughs> Thank you for showing my co-host the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so we get to the end of our show. Yes, once again. And it's now time for our uh, upcoming events. Real quick, you got too many games coming up. Philadelphia Expo Center, right? What is that, another week? That's correct. Buzz and I are going to too many games, June 22nd to the 24th. And we do a lot of tabletop games and playtesting games. It's a good time. And they have an arcade and a burlesque show that we're looking forward to, right, Buzz? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of burlesque shows, uh, Philly Pod Festival is that same weekend. And I know one of those nights they have one. Um, sex with Tina Marie, or I'm not saying that right. It's not Tina Marie. <laughs> Tiffany, Timmery. Timmery, I think, is her name. Anyway, um, she's like a sex doctor, and uh, she does like a whole burlesque thing. And I remember last year they did like a uh, live on stage, they did a demonstration of some kind of bondage thing. It was pretty exciting. Huh. Yes, it was very cool. So, anyway, um, that's on one of the nights. I think it's a Friday or Saturday night, but all two weekends in a row, starting the June 23rd that weekend. Actually, 22nd because it starts Friday night. But just check out the link in our show notes. You can find out what shows are happening. And then July 28th, Thread Raiders birthday extravaganza. We're doing some gaming. Yeah, we are. We are going to stream board games, video games, you name it. We're going to be playing it. Uh, so if you have any requests, you can always let us know, too. We can see if we can play it. Uh, come hang out with us on the Thread Raiders Twitch channel to celebrate. And then Gen Con coming up uh, August 2nd through 5th. All the cool kids of this current episode will be there, minus Grizz. I'll be rooting for you, though. 
Yes, we'll be at Gen Con, and we'll be doing some good time, having some good times there, playing and gaming, and uh, I will be uh, doing some DMing as well. That's right. Yeah, James uh, Hayek. Um, forgive me if I pronounce that name wrong. From D and D Beyond, uh, reminded me that Cobalt Press will be there, and that's what you're doing the DMing for, uh, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I uh, hooked up with those guys last year, and uh, they're looking for DMs to to run their games. So they have a couple rooms that they they uh, are given by Gen Con. So I will be there running DMing a game, uh, doing the uh, I think it's the Midgard. Uh, is everybody's going to be doing the Midgard area? Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with uh, Cobalt Press, that's like their world, Midgard. And I will be doing a heist, kind of like Ocean's Eleven type, uh, uh, called the Malmet heist. That's awesome. A lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah, oh, cool. it's a lot of fun. That yeah, it's a cool, cool one shot. Uh, it's about four hours long. And what else do we got here? Uh, we that? have the Extra Life Fundraiser, November 3rd. Yes, yes, yes. And we're going to be doing some gaming, right? Yep, 24 hours of gaming straight for charity. And all the proceeds go to Children's Hospital. It really is a good cause. You don't have to wait till the charity begins. In fact, you can donate right now. You just go to the Extra Life website, which we will provide a link for you underneath this podcast, and you can make a donation today. You can actually just type in Thread Raiders in the search box on the top right-hand side. It'll take you directly to us, and you can donate to any Thread Raider. But you don't have to donate just to Thread Raiders. You can actually make a donation to any of the other uh, fundraising groups groups that are on there um all of it goes to a good cause so oops sorry i'd like to add real quick um along the lines of the uh extra life uh that ultra zone and myself will be donating two hundred dollars uh to extra life wow uh, very nice what thanks and oh that... my goodness what just happened oh fantastic mm-hmm. well yeah thank you very much thank you so much we really appreciate it You're good welcome. news oh, so excited. <laughs> And everyone, she, uh, CA used her commercial voice for that, so make sure you go. You have to click on that link now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we also want to say thank you to Tabletop Loot, our steadfast sponsor, and to Dan from UltraZone, a.k.a. Buzz Yay. Lightyear, uh, a.k.a. Laser Suit Larry. Yes. <laughs> That's a thank good you one. for having me. Yes, you did very well today. Thank you, sir. And we would like to encourage anybody who's listening to us on iTunes to leave a review. Uh, It helps others to find us. And, of course, for those of you who are interested in more of what we are doing, um, you can check us out on ThreadRaiders.com. Also, and on there, you'll find all of our links to all of our social media properties, Twitter, Instagram, etc. There you go. Etc. 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 See ya. Cue the music.